You're listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast. Welcome into another edition of the Patriot Nation podcast. It's your boy, Pat Lane, as always, here with my guy, Matt St. Jean. Matt, DeAndre Hopkins' watch is officially going on in Foxborough. Uh, apparently, he's not meeting with the team anymore, but he's still in town. He's still in town. I know you are one of the optimistic ones, are you not? Oh, very optimistic. And let me tell you, this is the least... I'm. I'm glad that I got like my nine to five stuff done early in the day today. Got most of that out of the way because after like three o'clock, I was not productive. I was just refreshing Twitter, looking on Instagram. Yep. With what's the Andre Hopkins up to? And then I went. I got a haircut today, as you can see, freshly trimmed. And I was oh, really hoping, really hoping I was gonna have a nice update coming out of that. Like, come out, <laughs> pick up my phone, and have them sign. <laughs> not yet, but I still feel pretty good about where they're at. It would have been nice. That would have been nice. Didn't happen. Uh, but that would have been nice. So and look, I mean, it's funny. We talked about it last week. Of course, you know, I kind of said that I didn't, I didn't think they necessarily needed DeAndre Hopkins. In other words, I, I, I don't know if the fit is fantastic. However, after seeing him on Instagram, you know, saying that Matt Judon's La Familia and he's there and so on and so forth, like you look at it and say, I'm like, it'd be kind of nice to have DeAndre Hopkins on the team. Like, and I know culture-wise, I don't know if he fits. He doesn't practice a ton. He's had a ton of injury history. Like, I get all of that. I, I know. But, like, he is kind of a beast, and he is the best option that you have right now. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to be your best receiver come the end of the year. Maybe Tyquan Thornton takes a huge step ahead. Maybe they're able to, you know, to build something next year. You know, do I think Jerry Judy would be a better option? I do. But that doesn't seem like it's going to happen. So right now, if you are looking at your offense thinking, I want to do something to make my offense better, the only thing that you can do right now is sign DeAndre Hopkins. You're not giving up any assets in the future. No. You're, you're not going to underpay for him. Correct. And that's what's, that's what it comes down to, right? Yeah. And that's I've seen discussion about this. Like, how much are you going to pay DeAndre Hopkins? How do you make sure you don't lowball him with an offer? Like, what's his value? And it's all of this stuff is so tough to figure out. But the, what works in the Patriots' favor right now is timing. Look at where we are in the offseason. Look at the teams that are interested in him. Like, right. the Bills and the Chiefs are the teams you'd be like, okay, well, that's where Hopkins is going to go. They already spent that money. Like they they can't get him unless they really restructure stuff, and if they do that, they leave themselves with no room to make any more moves for the rest of the season. Right. That's true for most of the contenders. So there aren't a lot of teams that can bid for him, and some of the worst teams out there just aren't going to do it because it's not worth it, and he's not going to be interested if you're truly bottom of the barrel. Right. So that leaves you with a fairly small pool of teams, and with less money than these teams had at this point in March. This is late in free agency. Most of the teams have spent the money they had allocated already. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is where the Patriots being patient is awesome. 
because they didn't just rush into free agency and spend all kinds of, of crazy money. Like they, they could have spent this money on Jacoby Myers to keep him. I'm glad that they said we'll take Juju for cheaper and now we can come in and entertain DeAndre Hopkins. I think that's a yeah. way better use of the money, assuming it happens. And Pats have what, $14 million in cap space right now. You can use that and you can plenty of room. Yeah. And they got $120 million next year. You know, mm-hmm. you can you can slap a signing bonus on there, make it a two year deal, push some of that money in next year because of the the season he had last year where it was short and he didn't hit some of his milestones. You can tack some bonuses on there that will be mm-hmm. not likely to be earned. What that means is that if he hits those milestones, it comes out of next year's cap. You throw on it, you get a million dollars if you reach a thousand receiving yards. You get a million bucks if you get 10 touchdowns. You get a million if you pay, play 90% of the snaps in the season. Right. All of that would come out of next year's cap if he hits it. So you can structure this in a really favorable way and get a guy who is still a Pro Bowl level player and. I don't know. I, we keep we keep seeing these videos of Mac too from camp throwing it like Mike Gesicki is the one they put out today. Yeah. You look at the touch he has, the place balls into contested catch situations, and it's like mm-hmm. that with DeAndre Hopkins is perfect. We saw the chemistry Mac had with Parker late in the year. You put it all together, like it's Mac is the guy who's very good at throwing those contested balls, getting elite contested catch wide receiver. You have the money for it. It's right. an upgrade. He's got the chemistry. Like, it makes so much sense. Right. And the argument against it, of course, is that, you know, he doesn't create separation either, right? People are worried about separation and the fact that they are all tight window throws, which they are so far, at least. And I think the defense at this point should be ahead of the offense, and it is. Um, And I think I'm pretty excited about actually how good the uh, the defense looks, and we'll get into that later. But, But I think when you have a guy that's as good at contested catches as DeAndre Hopkins is. That's when you look at it and say, like, this guy isn't just good at it. He is one of the best we've ever seen at it. You know, and so the way he's able to contort his body and make these catches when it seems like there's no chance that he has to make the catch, and he comes down with it anyways. And so, you know, adding a guy like that I think is helpful. And again, do I think he's the best fit ever? I don't necessarily. But if you're worried about your offense and you think your offense needs another piece, DeAndre Hopkins is the guy. He's the only guy, right? That's it. There's nothing else, right? And I think I think that – and Thad points out too, like, you know, that, that Belichick doesn't want to wait for an answer. And I agree with that. I, I don't think that the Patriots want to sit around and wait for DeAndre Hopkins to make a decision. So it's going to be, hey, look, here's our best offer. Let us know. Yeah. Well, here's, right? here's the thing. I think, I think there is a certain amount of waiting that's cool because – I'm assuming, like, what we've heard publicly is what I'm assuming Hopkins is telling the teams here, too, which is that, hey, I'm not making a decision before training camp, or at least I'm not signing before then, right. because right. just I'm not, like, that's that's the timeline I'm on right now. Nothing that important happens between now and training camp. Like, there's organizational stuff behind the scenes, but, like, no, they kind of get the next five weeks off here. Nothing crazy happens. So there isn't from an X's and O's or football perspective, there isn't really a difference between him signing today or signing on July 25th in five weeks. So I think you can wait then. I don't think you're going to wait around until mid August, but I also think you give him the offer and you say, Hey, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to go do our thing. And if you want to join, take the offer and you're welcome to join us. And if you want to go somewhere else or whatever, then let us know. Right. No, it's true. And that's, and look, I mean, I, I think ultimately it just kind of comes down to 
they will wait for him if they have to. I think they're trying to make it so that he doesn't go anywhere else, right? So that he doesn't go up to Buffalo and Buffalo's like, hey, it's Josh Allen and all these freaks up here or Kansas City. And it's, hey, here's Patrick Mahomes with Travis Kelsey and so on and so forth. And so I think they're trying to do that. Um, and whether that will work or not, who knows? But it seems like there's definitely mutual interest, right? You listen to um, Burt Breer was on NBC Sports just before we went on, actually, and was talking about how Hopkins had a bunch of one-on-one time with Bill Belichick, which I think is great. And that's like, that's the draw. The draw is Bill Belichick. And I know Mac Jones struggled last year, and I think that there's a lot of people in the league that that think that he can be a good player. I think we saw that in 2021. Now, how good? That's We don't know that yet, right? But I think that there's... There's a plus side to that. I think Bill O'Brien, he has some some familiarity with him and how his offense works. But the big draw is Bill Belichick. You're playing for Bill Belichick. You respect the hell out of him. You've, you know, you you think the world of him. And so you look at it and say, this is a great opportunity to play with a great coach and play for a great coach. Um, You know, and so I think that that's the big selling point. And that's kind of probably what they went for um, today. And again, whether it will work, we'll find out. Um, But the Patriots, it will certainly will not be from lack of trying by the Patriots. They don't typically yeah. host guys like this. Uh, and they did that. They put the full court press on DeAndre Hopkins. And, you know, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. I mean, I feel like this is the quintessential Bill Belichick move, too. Like, this is the same, it's around the same point in the career where you bring in Randy Moss. And remember, we traded for Chad Ochocinco, who's a guy who I think. Bill respected in a way yeah. similarly to Hopkins, or at least if you look at NFL mic'd up, that it would lead you to believe Bill thinks of those guys somewhat similarly. Yeah. So this is absolutely a Bill Belichick move to say, hey, people think this guy is a little bit washed up, but he can still do X, Y, and Z well. Let's bring him in. We know we can get him at a discount, less than we get him at in the open market, and you hope you can hit whatever it is. I mean, you got the $14 million and... 120 million next year there's no not gaining a whole lot by rolling that money over you're going to spend some of it anyway i'm sure you're going to spend some of it at points during the season as guys get injured and you got to sign people or or you make a trade or whatever Uh, so you're not going to use all that money right now but you want to use that money if you can use that money to make your team better you're going to do it i have they're going to be competitive with the offers oh yeah yeah i don't know there's a mutual respect between i think both bills and deandre hopkins is what we're hearing at this point yeah and They've been looking for veteran receivers. They've got the money to do it. I think if there's a reasonable offer to be made here and and Hopkins is interested in playing in New England, it will happen. That's kind of how I feel right now. He's met with two teams. Yeah. There's right. no and we haven't heard anything about other teams coming up. Yeah, I'm and he said really maybe worried. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. Sorry. I'm not worried about, you know, Ryan Tannehill being the better offer here of the quarterback to right. play with. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm just not worried about what they're doing in Tennessee on that front. It's an easier division. That's about it. Hopkins seems like a guy. He's going to go to an organization he trusts that'll pay him enough right. where he feels respected. And I think the Patriots have that over the Titans at this point. Although it's probably probably in some ways closer than anybody would have expected with how Mike Vrabel's done there. But like, yeah. Um, yeah. I also have one last thing on this. I because you mentioned the fit. And I think there are question marks there, especially when you have Devontae Parker, who's very much the same type of receiver. But also, when's the last time Devontae Parker played a full season? And Juju and Tyquan Thornton have been out (laughs) 
of, right. of minicamp here because they're injured. So and Mike Kosicki, I don't think he's always been the healthiest guy. Hunter Henry has never been the healthiest guy. So I don't know. You're telling me like, are we going to go into the season with like Kendrick Bourne as our most dependable receiver? Correct. They're like, no, yeah. there's, there's room to make this move and you figure the rest out. I saw some 53 man projections today. I think two of them that the Patriots keeping all four of the vets they have on the roster now and adding DeAndre Hopkins because you have the money to do it. You got injury prone guys to make it work. And I'm not going to get upset if what DeMario Douglas or Kayshawn Booty doesn't make the roster because you signed DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Right. Right. No. And that's a hundred percent. Right. And you got to think someone's going to get injured before then. And, you know, and so we'll see. Uh, you know, ultimately, that's what it comes down to is we'll see. But but you're right. I think you've kind of get the best player available and figure it out after the fact, right? Um, you know, and and then we'll kind of see where that goes. One one quick note, just for anyone that doesn't know, they're not likely to be earned, right? So when you give incentives to players, there are two kinds of incentives. There are likely incentives and there are not likely to be earned incentives. The not likely to be earned incentives are literally just anything that they didn't do last year, anything above what they did last year. So, and I don't know the exact number, but I think it was around 700 yards that he had. He had he had 717 yards, 717 and three touchdowns. Okay, last year. so if you're not if you give him an incentive for 720 yards, that becomes a not likely to be earned incentive because he didn't hit 720 yards last year. You give him an incentive for four touchdowns, that's a not likely to be earned incentive. What that means yep. is that if he hits that incentive, instead of coming off, and what some people don't know is that when you have an incentive, it comes off of this year's salary cap, and that's that's just the way that works. Now, if it's a not likely to be earned incentive, it comes off of next year's salary cap yep. because it's not something that you're anticipating. And so – just just for just for the purposes of trying to stay under the cap, you can give him some not likely to be earned, you know, some quote unquote not likely to be earned, you know, things. But don't forget now, he was suspended for the first six games of the season. So one of your not likely to be earned incentives could be you're active for 12 games. And that's it. He only has to be active for 12 games in order to hit that incentive because he wasn't active for 12 games last year. Right. So, so that's one of the things that you can, that you can look at. And, you know, it's just a way to fit him under the cap with the other things that you might do. Shoot. Maybe they extend Kyle Duggar later on in the summer and they need some of that money this year for next year uh, for, I'm sorry, for Kyle Duggar. And so you look at it and say, well, if we, if we, you know, give him a decent signing bonus, stretch it for two years and make all of his incentives not looking to be earned. Now all of that stuff comes off of 2024 instead of 2023. And it gives us some more money to give Kyle Duggar, um, you know, an extension. So, yeah, there's, there's ways to do it where you can, you can sign DeAndre Hopkins for this year, give him money that is absolutely a fair value with right. where he's at right now, which my guess for value is that he's going to come in slightly under what Odell Beckham got for average per year. So what did Odell get 15? So yeah, Hopkins probably in the 12 to 14 range is where he lands. Yeah. You can give DeAndre Hopkins a deal that averages $13 million a year over two years that has a cap hit of like $8 million or $9 million. Even less this if you season. wanted to. Yep, with more on the back end. 
And now you, you've added DeAndre Hopkins to your roster right now, and you still have enough cap space to play with during the season. And you don't have to move anybody to create space unless somebody gives you a good offer for Bourne or Parker or somebody that you want to ship out. There's ways to do it. And it's like, like DeAndre Hopkins is not going to get $20 million a year right now. Nobody would trade for him when that's what he was worth. He's going to get less than that. So I'm not, yeah. and there's less money available right now than there was when he went on the trade market too. So that value only comes Absolutely. down. And, Absolutely. You know, yeah. I, I'll also add a, I'll add a point on the not likely to be earned thing. Cause this is a question I always had, which I thought was interesting for, if you're interested in the cap stuff, because mm-hmm. you might, so the not likely to be earned will come off the next year's cap. If it's likely to be earned, it comes out of this year's cap. So let's say you had an incentive that's DeAndre Hopkins gets five catches, you know, very likely to be earned. It would count right. against the cap this season. Well, let's say he doesn't hit it. What happens? That number then gets added in a credit to the following year's cap. So you still lose it in the current season. You just make up for it on the back end. So that's kind of that's how that ends up working out if you're interested. But yeah, plenty of ways Very to get money. And it was talking about the personality too and him not practicing. This is New England gets made to be this like super focused franchise, no fun allowed. They drafted Rob Gronkowski, the party right. dude who fell asleep in the draft meeting with them. Like it's not Right. It's not the military. You get your job done. You're you're prepared for game day. They give you freedom if you're a veteran, you're professional about it. So that's assuming that's what the one-on-one was about. Them kind of negotiating, hey, what would this look like if I came to play for you? Quite true. Quite true. All right. Before we get to the defense, my dad has a question here. <laughs> look at him using YouTube and stuff. I don't know how he's doing that, but he is. Uh, do they pay for him by cutting Trent Brown? I'll tell you what, man. <laughs> Trent Brown showed up for mandatory minicamp. Didn't look like he could do anything. Was there for literally one, like one rep of one drill, essentially, or one, you know, one tiny drill, and then went out, you know, to the um to the lower field. Supposedly missed the first day because of travel issues. And then the second day was basically, basically a non-participant the second day. I'm very concerned. I'm very concerned about Trent Brown. Um you know, and and then you say, well, you know, does that mean then that our offensive line will suffer? I th- look, I I think that Trent Brown is probably your best left tackle, but the fact of the matter is that if he's not going to be reliable and you can't depend on him, I don't want to I don't want to you know hitch my wagon to him and go into this season saying he's going to be our star our star left tackle when in actuality. He's not going to play, and when he does, it's not going to be good, right? And so I'd yeah. rather go into the year knowing Calvin Anderson starting at left tackle. Is Calvin Anderson as good at, at, at as uh, Trent Brown at left tackle? No, he's not. I'll just say that right now. He's not. At, at his peak, he isn't. No. Correct. And so, but maybe he's better right now, and maybe he's more dependable, and maybe he's more reliable. And, yes. you know, and so that's kind of the – that's where I'm at. Now, I don't know where the team is at with Trent Brown. I don't know. I do know you can cut him – and lose almost nothing on the salary cap. I think there's like a $1 million cap hit, uh, a dead cap hit of $1 million, and I think they get like 9 or 10 back if you cut them. So, you know, it, it is an option, certainly an option for doing something like that if you wanted to pay Hopkins and say you wanted to pay Duggar on, and on Wenu as, as well, then you could free up a decent amount of cap space doing that. Yeah. I don't know where they're going to, but I, as every single day, I get a little bit closer to saying I'm okay moving away from Trent Brown. Yeah. 
you get you save 11 mil by yeah. getting rid of them so yeah it's as alarming as that is uh i'm willing to give it some level of patience because it's you know instructional camp and he's had issues being in shape before and let's see how he right. looks when the pads come on the thing that was eye-opening to me was listening to phil perry earlier today on next pads talk about uh connor mcdermott getting the starting reps out of riley reef at right tackle uh, connor mcdermott was fine last season but if you're if the guy you signed to replace him yeah. isn't winning the starting job, that's a little bit concerning to me. Calvin Anderson's not a guy who's going to play right tackle. So we're not that far off from between the Trent Brown stuff and the stuff at right tackle from City So becoming a starting tackle on this team, possibly at some point this season, which is a little bit a little bit concerning. Obviously, no pads yet, so hard to tell with the offensive line, but I don't think this is quite what we had wanted to see at this point in camp. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, unfortunately that's the way it is, right? Like I, I don't, I don't love it. Riley reef, you know, you feel like should be that starting right tackle. And if it is Connor McDermott, right. If you, if you roll into the season with Calvin Anderson on the left and Connor McDermott on the right, I don't know how you can feel very good about that. Right. So, no. but you know, I don't know. Maybe City So makes a you know makes a little bit of a leap when we get training camp. Now, listen, they also don't have pads on, so like, yeah, you know, we haven't really seen anything, and it's like you know, oh, Calvin Anderson got, you know, they were saying Calvin Anderson's having a hard time with the speed on the left side, and I'm like, this, like, what do you mean? He's not even blocking the guys. They don't have any pads yeah. on. Like, how is he supposed to? Block? Like, of course he is. You know, that's the that's it's kind of silly. Like, it's almost like I know that they're like. They're going like three quarter speed. Allegedly, they don't have pads on. He how's he going to block the guy? Like it just yeah. doesn't make any sense, right? Anthony Jennings is getting pissed because someone like gives him like hits him too hard. Like, well, what do you want these guys to do? You know, it just I don't know. Yeah, let's see. Let's it's... wait and see until we get, until they got the pads on. But at that point, then it almost becomes too late. Like maybe you can then trade for someone that's you know got an expiring contract or something. But now you're getting desperate, right? And you never want to oh, be listen. in desperation mode. It was in some ways it was too late when they didn't draft a tackle like the 2022 draft. Like yeah. that's kind of the issue here too, is that like the stuff has cascading effects. Um, and not that like, obviously we'll have to see what Cole strange is, but like, if you, if you don't like anybody there, like this free agency wasn't great for tackles and right. this draft was not very good for tackles. And clearly they didn't like the tackles that were available except for city. So where they ended up grabbing him. So it's like, I mean, this is the issue is that it, tackles are very, very hard to find. And yeah. we're not the only team in this boat right now. Like there's a, with the Pats for all the stuff we talked about with the Pats offensive line last year, it actually like, I think it graded out somewhere in like middle of the pack NFL, something like that, at least in some metrics, it wasn't the worst. And, Offensive line plays horrendous around the league. So, like, it's it's a tough spot because I don't know what else you can do differently except go back in time and change things. Like, it's just there's no – there isn't another free agent they could have gotten this year that's, that probably makes me feel better about what they have right now and there, there probably isn't a draft pick they could have made in this draft that makes me feel better about what they could have had right now. And I don't think there's right. a trade that's going to be available out there. Who's – who has given up franchise tackles? Yeah, no one, no one, and that's that's the problem. Unless you're gonna, unless you're gonna pay an arm and a leg, you know, for a guy like Laramie Tunsil, like the Texans did, right? It just, yeah, 
you know. And I'm just not not like they made the biggest upgrade they could have by switching out the coach. I think that's probably your biggest move you could have made on the offensive line this offseason. You you're just gonna have to hope that you're taking you're taking I don't know puzzle pieces that are like a C minus and open the hook of the coach can turn the product into a B minus and you can live with that. This isn't, this isn't going to be some of the old school Pats offensive lines where it's just going to dominate you. It just needs to be good enough to let the rest of the stuff shine, which you signed DeAndre Hopkins and like the skill group for the Patriots have, I think it's one of the better ones in the AFC. What are we talking about the Patriots? Well, you got a great skill group, but the quarterback and the offensive line are the issue. What, what, (laughs) I know the New England Patriots. Like, what are yeah. we talking about here? So, so Thad just mentioned him, and I was just about to mention Jonah Williams. Yeah. So, the Bengals, just for people who don't know, the Bengals signed Orlando Brown Jr. to play left tackle for them. Uh, we assume they also have Lyle Collins from Dallas, um, who re- plays really solid right tackle as well. Jonah Williams is kind of uh, is I don't want to say he's on his way out because that's not necessarily true. Um, but Jonah Williams is a guy that hasn't necessarily lived up to expectations. He's been fine, but he hasn't necessarily lived up to expectations. He's a guy that I think could be available, possibly. And again, I don't know if he's going to be, but he could be available. He might be the odd man out. He's also on an expiring contract. So the fact that he's on an expiring contract, he's on that fifth-year option. He's on an expiring contract. Got that fifth-year option that last year to the Bengals look at it and say, we have two tackles that we're comfortable with. We're not going to pay Jonah Williams big money to stay. So we'll trade him to the Patriots for, you know, a third round pick or, a, you know, or, a or third less. and a fourth or whatever. What if, right. What exactly. did they trade for Trent Brown the first time around? I think they did. I think it was a third round pick. They traded for Trent Brown. It might've been a fourth, but I think it was a third. Uh, if I believe if I, if I gave that right. And I might not, but I, I feel like that's correct. Um, it was, it was a, a third nine, pick 95 for okay. Trent Brown and a fifth. So, yeah, so so you got a fifth back. So, I mean, that's the idea is that it might just be a fourth or they might do something similar to that. Hey, trade us a third and, you know, we'll send you and jo- Jonah Williams and, and a fifth, right? So, um, but, you know, either way, I, I look at it and think, you know, that's at least an opportunity you have to get better. Outside of that, there's no one else out there. There's no one else out there because those guys aren't there. And so um, I think that that's yeah. – it's yeah. slim pickings. And there's a reason the Bengals signed Orlando Brown because Jonah Williams has been up Correct. and down. He was drafted high, but he's had issues with penalties. He's had issues with staying on the field. Like right. this is the right. best guy available in the market, and he's still like – yeah. well, he's probably kind of similar to Trent Brown in a lot of ways. It's just are you getting him on the uh, – what do you call it? You get them on the, the high tide or the low tide right now. You just, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you just, I'm, I'm kind of shocked that there's issues with Trent Brown again, because this is with Adrian Clemby in there. I kind of figured like new head, new coach. And I think well, Trent's in a contract year. I'm pretty sure. He so is, yeah. I kind of figured you would think motivated. Yeah. yeah. And, and maybe he will. And maybe he will, right. It's early. It's OTAs. It's mandatory mini camp. Maybe he'll come to, you know, he'll come in July and look like an absolute monster and look great out there. Right. And and this will all be, you know, a distant memory when Trent Brown's a starting left tackle and is, you know, playing really well and so on and so forth. Right. And then we have to make a decision about do we sign him to a big contract again in the offseason or let him go? Um, you know, 
hopefully that's the case. But right now, sitting here on June 15th, it does not appear to be the case. So, so I think it's worth talking about. All right, so we're going to get to the defense. Before we do that, however, before we do that, I have a live ad read that we're going to do. It's the first ever live ad read Ooh, in, in Pat's Nation Network. Um, but it's a live ad read, and it is for Caesars Sportsbook. So we have, we have an offer for Caesars Sportsbook that you won't want to miss. New customers can get their first bet on Caesars up to $1,250. All you have to do is use our code Pat's Nation Full at sign up. If you sign up with our code Pat's Nation Full, you not only have your first bet insured, but you also be directly supporting the podcast. So if you haven't signed up for Caesar Sportsbook, join with our code Pat's Nation Full and drop your first bet. This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in Mass and Connecticut. Please gamble responsibly. And then I have this huge long disclaimer, which I am legally allowed uh, obligated to read so here we go i'm gonna be like one of those quick one of those guys in the uh, in the commercials gambling problem call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope ny uh 467-369 in new york call 1-800-GAMBLER in ohio 21 plus only offer valid uh offer valid and must be physically present in arizona colorado illinois indiana iowa kansas louisiana michigan new jersey new york ohio pennsylvania tennessee virginia west virginia wyoming only new users and and first 10 plus wages only, $10 plus wages only must register with Elbow Pro, Pro, promo code bet amount or qualifying wager returned only if the bet is settled as lost. Maximum bet credit is $1250. Uh, $1250. Must be used within 14 days of receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settled as void where prohibited. No one to stop before you start gambling. Problem in uh, Arizona, Wyoming. So on and so forth. I'm not reading all the other states, but you got to look it up with with the states. I don't know if there's a new uh, a Massachusetts one. I believe the Massachusetts one. Is, or I'll give you the Massachusetts one. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts, and we will have the full terms in the podcast description as well. Pat, I got I got bad bad news for you. If you wanted to be an auctioneer, I'm not sure if the speed reading thing is for you. Speed reading thing is not for me. Absolutely not for me. <laughs> nope. Nope, not for me at all. I've read that through like four times and I still couldn't get through it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, what are you going to do? It is what it is. So what we have to do is like hire someone to do that super fast and then we'll just play it. <laughs> I can't do that. That's not that's not me. Nevertheless, um, but yeah, Caesar Sportsbook is pretty exciting. We're excited about that. So you can use that promo code Pat's Nation full and they'll give you that back. It's bonus bet. So you don't, you know, you don't get the money back. You get it back in your account. But I mean, it's pretty sweet. You know, it's it's guaranteed for you. Uh, to get your money back, either you win or you get it back in bonus bets. So pretty sweet. So, all right, let's get over to the defensive side of the football. And my God, the defense is just, it, it's just awesome. The defense is just I'm awesome. So, I, I mean, like, how could you so not excited. be so excited? Right? It's just like, like, it's great. And I just, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I was just looking at the way this defense is going to come together. And I was just like, I can't wait. For that moment this season, there's going to be at least a one of them. The Patriots are playing a team with a good quarterback, and they fool him into throwing a ball right to somebody on a mm -hmm. pick. And I, I'm thinking that feels like something like Justin Herbert in December in a cold fox for a game. It feels oh, like yeah. something he would do, throwing it right yeah. to like Kyle Duggar on a on a, a coming under a zone or something like that. But with the with the pass rushers this team has and the way they're going to be able to get home, 
and the way that they have guys who can ball hawk in the middle of the field now outside the numbers with Jack Jones, they're going to give up some big plays, and that's going to be okay because they are going to create so many of them. Like you don't do not get into third and long against the Patriots. If you get into third and long against the Patriots, just throw a screen pass or something because the other option is Josh Uche, Matt Judon flying right in your face. You're trying to throw a ball and have it not get picked off by Jack Jones. Like don't don't do that. Just just give up. Well, and not just that, but you know, obviously the addition of Christian Gonzalez, I think, is huge, right? I think that that's that's awesome because he gives you a potential number one cornerback on the outside, which I think is great. Jack Jones is a legitimate outside corner. He's looked every bit the part. Looked at it at OTAs. Looked at it. Looked like it at minicamp. The kid, you know, played really well last year, and I think he's going to take take a leap forward this year. Marcus Jones looked really good in minicamp. And I think he has that speed and athleticism. Now, what's funny about him is he's been working at outside corner. Now, I think he probably ends up bumping inside, but he's been working at outside corner. And we saw that a lot last year too. And so corners is great. And the pass rush, like you said, is awesome. Where where this really gets to be a lot of fun for me is the fact that they have so many guys that can do different things. Marte Mapu already, oh my God, the hype train on that man is outrageous. And I think rightfully so because he's played safety. He's played linebacker. He's done all sorts of different things. And so what they're going to, what you're going to be able to do is go out there with a lineup of Bentley, Mapu, Duggar, Phillips, and Peppers. And you're going to look at those five guys and say, where are they playing? I don't know. We don't know. Are they playing a single high with a bunch of guys in the box? Are they playing... Bentley's the only guy in the box and everyone else is just spread around the field playing. Like you don't know where any one of these guys are going. They could all blitz. They could, none of them could blitz. Like you just, you'd have no idea. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's just, it's awesome. And and the ability to do that. And the fact that this kid now Mapu, I know has been wearing the red non-contract Jersey, but the fact that he's been out there is a good sign for him being healthy for the start of the season. But, you know, here's a guy who's been playing linebacker and safety right away, making a big jump up from Sacramento State to the Patriots, and right away is being thrown to the Wolves and looks every bit the part when he's there. This kid has a chance, and again, I mean, it's really early, and it's insane to say this, but I don't care. This kid has a chance to be special. It's a chance to be special because, again, I the thing that I come back to is the fact that He's coming from Sacramento State. He's coming from Sacramento State onto the Patriots defense, which is a notoriously difficult defense to learn and understand. And he's playing two different positions and off and and maybe sometimes three different positions because he's also playing deep safety at times. He's he's a football player. It's crazy. Yeah. Is this? It's probably too early to I told you so it. But like, remember when they picked him, I was like, oh, this is awesome. Because... You just you watch the tape, and he's such a Bill Belichick player because he just mm-hmm. does everything well. And like mm-hmm. we haven't we haven't talked about it really, like we haven't seen it in camp. But you know he's going to play special teams. And I feel like they're for sure he's. I remember Jabril Pepper cracking skulls in the punt block, uh, punt return unit last year, especially in New York in that game where he leveled somebody. Yeah, you're going to see Mapu out there doing some of that too. And so he's going to be he's going to be a multiple phase guy. I don't I don't know exactly what role he's going to be in here as a rookie. Um, they're obviously having him do everything now. That could be, we're going to throw you into everything and we're going to see mentally what you handle and what you don't. 
we'll start you with the easy stuff as a rookie and we'll work you into the other stuff. So we'll see what this looks like. But he should, especially by year two or year three, he should be able to do basically everything on defense. Like he's just like, what do you play? It's crazy. Like he just put him out there and let him do something. Like he's uh, he's got really special talent. So I'm excited to see what he can do. And well, uh, not just that. Now Peppers said that he wasn't healthy last year and didn't feel fast. And he said that, and I was like, I feel like I watched him a decent amount last year. He looks pretty <laughs> fast to me. Like so, well, he's if he's going to be faster, I mean, I you know, yeah, it's going to be. Well, and it's and Peppers is the fourth safety probably of this group because right. Phillips is going to be ahead of him. Ducker's going to be ahead of him. We'll see what Mapu is, and it's like, right, it's just such a stacked group. Oh yeah, um, and I look at the first. First three weeks of the season, I feel like, is going to be such an interesting test for this defense because you get three very different offenses, too. Yes. The Eagles in the week one who are going to run the ball, right. seeing the team have issues with that. That is one of those games where it's like, all right, like Mapu, Duggar, Phillips, how can you take on offensive linemen that are coming right at you? If right. Especially for Mapu, he's, what, 220 pounds maybe? There might be a spot in that game where he's got a pulling guard from the Eagles coming right at him with Jalen Hurts behind him. Can you make right. a play? You did it in the senior bowl. That's different. Can you do it in the NFL when it's a yeah. guy who was just in the Super Bowl last year? It'll be a big test for them. Right. Week two with Miami, you're going to get play action, play mm-hmm. action, play action, and they're going to try to dice you up in the middle of the field. So discipline is going to be so huge. Then. And then you get Aaron Rodgers in week three. It's going to be discipline, but in kind of a, a very different way than you have to deal with with Miami. And I think that's probably the first game of the first three where you're almost playing a normal defense. Not that right. Philly and Miami have gimmick offenses, but they're very unique. Yeah, they and are. Yeah. The Jets are going to play, you know, it's going to be what the Packers have been, or it's going to be, you know, what we've seen from the Broncos and stuff. Like, it'll be a pretty normal West Coast off, not West Coast, uh, zone offense, outside zone offense, I think. So yeah. that'll be the game where it's like, all right, now these guys can tee off, come downhill, exactly. disguise coverages, do it in a disciplined way. But that's Aaron Rodgers is the kind of guy who you can fool into mistakes because he is so good. Like yeah. there's there's some quarterbacks you can't fool into mistakes because they're not good enough to know what the defense is setting up in some ways. Like they're not gonna get confused by you. It's like you ever play basketball with somebody who like which isn't very good. So you're like trying to play and trying to set them up. My I'm awful at basketball, so people would do this to me all the time. They're trying to like set you up with some fancy move and you haven't reacted to the first move by the time they do the second, so you're just still <laughs> in the same place and defending it. That's what it was going against like Zach Wilson last year. You play Aaron Rodgers. You actually run a real de- defense out there. That's a challenge and try to fool him with stuff and bait him. And say you get a Jack Jones pick like you did last right. year. So. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be really interesting. And, and I think that that's kind of, that's kind of what you're hoping you're set up for. And again, that's why you draft a guy like Keon White. That's why you draft a Marte Mapu because you can be different things, right? And the Patriots, it's funny because the Celtics were talking about positionless basketball, right? And where they drafted Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in back-to-back drafts, right? And, of course, we can get into I'm not getting into discussion about whether that's worked or not. But, uh, I mean, it's worked, but whether that will get them a championship or not. But nevertheless, um, you know, are we looking at positionless football for the Patriots, right? Is it a guy like Mapu who can play everything? Phillips can play everywhere. Peppers can play everywhere. Duggar can play everywhere. Keon White looks like he's going to play D end, but then he's standing up at outside linebacker and he can play inside as well at D tackle. So, you know, you're getting guys that can, Matthew Judon who plays edge and outside linebacker. And now has talked about how he wants to rush 
over the center and over the guards this year because uh, he thinks that that will give him some some advantages as well. So, you know, you're looking at a defense that you you got guys all over the field that can do all sorts of different things, you know. And so I, I think that that's really exciting. And you look at that and say, all right, we come out and we're able to disguise what we're going to do before the play. Based on our personnel, you don't know what type of defense we're in. You don't know. You think, yep. okay, we are in like a dime formation because you got a bunch of D-backs in the field. And we come out and we're in like a 4-4 defense. And you're like, well, what the hell is this? Why, you know, these guys are all at the line of scrimmage. So, you know, it's and, and again, are you going to, you know, then it comes down to, can you take on the blocks? Can you stop those guys on the outside? Can you, you know, you got to remember now, you can't take out those guys' knees as they're pulling anymore. That's not that's not allowed anymore. So if you're 220 pounds or 215 pounds on the outside trying to take on that pulling guard, you got to take them head on. You can't dive at his legs anymore. So, you know, you, are you going to get blown up? Are you going to avoid them? Are you going to, you know, power through them and make the play? You know, who knows? But I think that that's – it's going to be a big test for the Patriots right off the bat, like you said. And I think that, you know, they're positioned – to be better against it. They have the speed. They have the athleticism. They're continuing to build that on defense, and I think it's fantastic. I think it's great that they're doing that. But it's just, you, you know, you almost look at it and say, like, that's good, but, you know, there's a lot of question marks as well until we see them actually do it. And yeah. they were really good against bad teams last year. They were not so good against good teams last year. They were fine against good teams, but not great. Can they be good against good teams as well? That separates a top 10 to 15 defense from the top 5 to 10 defense. And when they played mobile quarterbacks last year, you have no Duggar for one. Right. Miss Duggar for the Baltimore game and part of the Chicago game. Pretty sure Lawrence Guy was out of at least the Chicago one. Like He's a key part of what you do run defense. And when they didn't have those guys, the run defense totally fell apart against mobile guys. Yeah. But guess what? Lawrence Guy's holding out right now, it kind of sounds like. And he's also mm-hmm. getting older. Yeah. And if your entire run defense is based on one guy like that, that's that's kind of the one area I'm surprised we haven't seen Bill Bolster. Like Lawrence Guy has just kind of been there for forever. He's still Carl Davis is still hanging around as your nose tackle who comes in when you need him. Right. And they have Godshaw, who's fine. Uh, but he's 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 a good player. I don't know if he's more than a good player. And I don't as a run defender, he's not like it's not Vince Bullfork out there, that's for sure. So you look at the, you you do look at the guys they added, and it's like well, Mapu's like good against the run for a guy his size. Keon White, for all his strength, was not great against the running college. He was really hit or miss there. Had some some trouble with his balance. Right. Christian Gonzalez can tackle, but isn't always the most physical. Jack Jones has his tackling issues. You've got Marcus mm-hmm. Jones, who's just a smaller guy, and he's going to have tackling issues. It's a team that is not. All that set up to stop the run if a team's can say that this is all we're going to do. And that's where that Philly game gets really, really interesting because if you want to get the Patriots into tough spots, I think what you want to do is say, hey, we're going to make you take your safeties off the field because we're going to run so much that you have to put the linebackers on. Like You have to get Bentley and Devai out there. And then we're going to attack the middle of the field once they're out there with play action. That's what's going to be tough. Uh, so you're going to need those defensive linemen to really step up and I wouldn't – I'm still a little bit shocked this team hasn't added more depth at defensive tackle for run stuffers in the last couple of years. Yeah, I really thought they were going to take one this year, and they and they didn't. I know they, they you know, signed Justice Devai, but that doesn't count. Um, yeah, no. 
you know, they haven't really done anything to bolster there at all. So, and obviously they drafted Christian Barmore a few years ago, right? Clearly, um, you know, so that he's a, he's a pass rusher. He's correct. not, he doesn't give you a whole lot in the running yeah. game. So, you know, but, but you hope that he could develop into that, I think is kind of was the idea, right? Yeah. He hasn't necessarily developed into that. He's been hurt a bunch. Um, and so we'll kind of see what, what happens with Barmore, but you're right. There's definitely not, you know, I guess Carl Davis, you can stick him back out there again. And and you have some of those guys. I think Dietrich Wise played pretty well against the run last year. So you have guys, but you don't necessarily have any of those dominant run stuffers. So um, and if you're if you're playing the Eagles and it's like, well, they're running the ball, so that means we're gonna we gotta get we got Carl Davis out there, we gotta get Godra out there, we gotta get Guy out there, we gotta get Wise out there. That's your four man front, and we need Bentley and Tavai, and right. John's gonna be out there, and it's like, all right, well now Josh Uche can't be out there. And right. now Anthony Jennings is seeing the field more than Marty Mapu. And you can't get some of your depth in the secondary out there, which is your your strength in a lot of ways. Yeah. That's where it becomes an issue. And that's where I think I really think the key for the Patriots, the way they're structured right now, is to play from ahead. Because oh, yeah. basically, I think any team in football, if the Patriots get the get the ball first and can get a score on that drive and can force an early turnover and get a score off of that. And you're up by two scores in the first quarter. From that position, I think the Patriots can beat literally anyone in football. Because yeah. if the, the other team has to pass, this defense will pick you off. It will turn you over. It'll get sacks. It's going to do all that. But if it's kind of neutral situations and the team can run and all that, that's where I get a little bit more nervous about how things are going to look. I mean, even look at the Packers game last year with no Lawrence guy and the running issues yeah. that this defense had. So let's... It's a it's a top three defense in football in passing only situations. I just want yeah. to see how it looks in running situations. I agree. I agree. All right. Uh, I think we're wrapping up here. But Volcano has a question about uh, who do you think is a higher ceiling with DeAndre Hopkins, the Titans or the Patriots? I think the Titans stink this year. I think the Titans yeah. are in it, which is why it's interesting that they that they went after DeAndre Hopkins in the first place. I think the Titans are in a full rebuild mode. I wouldn't be surprised if Will Levis is starting by midseason. Um, I just think that, you know, Tannehill's over the hill They, you know, at some point, Derrick Henry's going to break down. And I know I keep saying that, but like, I do think at some point Derrick Henry's is, is his, he's not human. <laughs> it's like, it's, un, it's insane. He's just has so many carries and he just keeps playing. And it's so I think it's at some point he is going to cut. Now the thing about it is that their defense is still very, very good. And yeah. so the Titans do have a shot, and you mentioned it before that that um, division division is not very good, not it very good at all. Take, it doesn't take much at all for that team to finish second, and then we'll right. see what the Jaguars end up doing. But like, I'm not right. The Colts and the Texans aren't threatening there, so the Titans, yeah. especially that's that's the thing for the Titans. They they could get like four free wins out of that division if they signed DeAndre Hopkins with the other some of the other teams there. And they could go four and two in the AFC South and the Pats might go two and four in the AFC East, even though the Patriots are better and the Titans somehow get like the seven seed because of it. Something right. dumb like that. Yeah. But the and Patriots, you never know. You never know. Yeah. But they I just think, have a much higher ceiling. I, I agree. I agree as well. And look, the Titans, I mean, ultimately they're not. It's funny because it's almost like if they could just figure it out offensively, their defense is really good. They have some studs on that defense. And so you look at it and think, well, maybe DeAndre Hopkins is kind of that answer. The problem is that Ryan Tannehill, just I don't think, is the guy. And so I think you've seen that. And I think that at a certain point, if they're not playing well, 
I think that they're going to make that switch to Will Levis because I think yeah. you'll see what you see from Levis will be enough. And then at some point, Levis is going to become that guy for them. Um, and whether he'll be able to get it done or not, I don't know. But, um, you know, I think that they'll make that switch sooner rather than later. I agree. And I think it's also one of those, it's like, as to why they're interested in DeAndre Hopkins, if you want to maximize the group you got, we know variable comes from the Belichick line of thinking, like, we're just going to go all in every year. If we got the money, we're going to spend it. We're going to make this the best team we can. And you got Derrick Henry and the offensive line that's very tough and physical. So, you know, you just run play action. And Hopkins is your threat. And you throw it up to him, and he's going to he's going to catch a ton of balls. He's going to get a ton of yards. Probably going to win you a game or two because of that. And yeah. you get, and if you got, you know, Will Levis or Malik Willis <laughs> ends up seeing the field out there at all. Well, you got a big body that he could throw it to and just chuck it up and make something happen, which will make your life easier. Uh, if you want to make life easy for a rookie quarterback, allow him to have an offense that can run the ball, play, win with play action, have contested catch guys who can erase his mistakes. So I see it, um, but I don't think that team is that good. And I think Hopkins only ends up in Tennessee if, Something something went wrong in New England. If the offer in New England isn't very good, or if Bill isn't going to let him do what he wants practice wise. Right, right. One other question about the Hopkins is uh, Gary's at Gary Salbert is asking, um, you know, do you think that part of what Hopkins is doing is basically requesting more money from other people while he's waiting around for the Bills or the Chiefs to make a run at him? So, in other words, you know, and and Jamari points out that he's not going to get paid by the chiefs and bills. And he's not, he'll take a pay cut to go there. And I think that's kind of Gary's point is that he's trying to drive up the price now because he's waiting around to see if the chiefs or the bills will get him. And his price is high so that a team like the Patriots won't say, yep, we'll do that. They're hesitant to do the offer. They're hesitant to make the deal. And so in the meantime, he's able to wait around for the chiefs or the bills to kind of make a push at him. I think it's an interesting, I think it's an interesting thought. I don't necessarily know if that's what he's doing. Um, because I feel like right. if if they were interested, he would just go to him, go to them and say, Hey, look, I'm interested in playing for you. What do you think? You know, I'm getting I'm guessing that conversation already happened. I'm guessing his agent probably talked to those teams and said, Hey, we right. want to play for you. And they said, Yeah, this isn't gonna work financially. Like teams I'd be looking, teams I'd be worried about, like Dallas. Dallas yeah. kind of likes to throw around for money sure, receivers. Yeah. yeah. But you know they got C.D. Lamb and Brandon Cooks. So do they need? Do they need them? Like they have the money, but do they need them? The Lions are a team that you know has the money and and had Jameson Williams suspended, and they could Again. use a guy. Yeah, they could use a guy. But like, you know, if they these teams haven't been interested yet, I don't. DeAndre Hopkins has been on the market in some capacity for a very long time now because people have known he's wanted out. That leads yeah. me to think that if team, if there were other teams other than New England or Tennessee interested and willing to meet his price point, we would know by now. Doesn't mean that can't change, and it doesn't mean that there, like, there could be other teams interested that publicly we just haven't heard anything about. It could be a team that's been interested the whole time and nobody's reported it for whatever reason. So that's totally still an option on the table here. But I don't know. This has been going on for a while. I think everybody kind of knows the market. Hopkins is going to sit back and say, yeah, I'm not going to do anything until camp because I don't want to practice. And like, what are we doing for the next five weeks? There's no no point to sign in it now when you can wait five weeks and see if somebody else, somebody comes out of nowhere and says, hey, I'm going to pay you 25 million a year. It's not going to happen. Right. But you leave the option open because you never know. There's no rush to sign. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's a good point. 
It's a good point. So we'll see what happens. I don't think that's I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. No, you know what I mean? But I don't I don't think it's the most likely right scenario. Like I think I think the most likely here is he's just he's already near knows what his market is and he's gonna see if he can get a little bit of extra money out of somebody, make sure nobody else is interested, and then yeah, take one of the offers on the table. Right. I agree. All right, we're gonna get into our last segment. Before we do, though, last night on NFL Network was the snowball game. And that game is so completely insane, just completely, absolutely insane. And one of the things that I I don't think, I think that some people forget how crazy that game is. Um, And so uh, I'm going to take you all the way back to the second quarter. Patriots are down 7-0, okay? Brady throws a pick. I think this... 10, 20 left. My dad and I were texting about it last night because we're both watching it. Like, this game's insane. And um, it's about 10, 20 left, the, and the Raiders punt the ball towards the Patriots' end zone. And Derek Gibson, who I, who I believe was Derek Gibson, was a rookie, um, a rookie defensive back, I believe. And he was waiting for the ball. It was so snowy, you couldn't see where the ball was. So he thought the ball was rolling past the five-yard line and in between the five-yard line and the end zone, when in actuality, the ball had just rolled into the end zone. And so he downed it in the end zone instead of at the four- or three-yard line like he thought he was going to do. And that, to me, saves the game. That changes the entire game. The Patriots take over at the two-yard line there. They've got nothing going offensively. Oakland's basically guaranteed a short field and, you know, a, a three or a seven at that point. The Patriots are down 14 nothing. The game's over, essentially, right? And so that one, that's one of those fun ones for me that I think people don't realize um, that that happened. And the other thing that, the other thing for me that's crazy is that, you know, with, with what, two minutes left to go in the game, they have the ball second and three, and then third and one <laughs> with just over two minutes left to go. All they got to do is get a first down, and they're not able to get one. Um, and so, you know, the Patriots get the ball back, and then Troy Brown fumbles on the punt return, and and Larry Izzo recovers it. And that all happens before the tuck rule, and then the tuck rule happens after the two-minute warning. If it had happened before the two-minute warning, based on the rules in 2001, that never gets reviewed because the Patriots did no timeouts left, and there's not a um, and there's not a uh, what's it called? Um, there wasn't an automatic review for turnovers. So even if the guy would have overturned it, it wouldn't have, and the Patriots would have lost. And so it's just you go down the list of things that happened because of it, and you're like, man, if it had happened two players plays early, it wouldn't have happened. If Troy Brown's fumble doesn't get recovered by Larry. So if I, all these different things that happen, it's it's completely insane. That game is completely wild. And for a 17, 14 or for a, uh, for a, no 16, 13 game. I mean, like it's a completely insane. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I, I was it yesterday, two days ago, I broke out my Patriots DVD and was just watching the three games, the glory of that one. Cause it's so good. My favorite moment in that is still when Brady runs in the touchdown and oh, the so call good. on it, Brady gets up and spikes the ball and goes wild here in Foxborough. So good. That call will live in my head for the yeah. rest of my life. That's awesome. Never leave. 
It's so good. And that's, yeah, that, what a, what a game that was. And it's funny because, so I was there because I had, I've had season tickets for a while now. And, and, you know, I was there with my dad and my uncle and I actually heard it. I heard it last night for the first time on the broadcast. I heard it while he's under the hood. They started playing. I can feel it coming here tonight by Phil Collins. And I just remember like, we're dejected, like games over. We're like, Oh my God, I can't believe the Patriots freaking lost. And that song comes, and they're like, we're going to review it. And we're like, what the hell are they reviewing? Because we don't know what the tuck rule is. We didn't know what the hell that was. You know what I mean? And so <laughs> they go under the hood, and the song comes on. And I just remember we all looked at each other, and we were like, is something insane about to happen? Like, why is this song playing right now? Like, it was just like, I don't know. Yeah. We just had that, like, weird feeling. And then he comes out, and it, oh, my God, what a freaking moment that was. And I still remember, like, Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice being like, oh, whatever, dude. <laughs> it's just it's so good. Oh, my God. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So, uh, totally unrelated. But did you? I just had this sent to me. I hadn't seen it before. But yeah, it was reported like two hours ago. What? What? You know, who, you know, who Craig Carton is. I've heard the name. I've definitely heard the New, name. New York area Jets radio host. OK, yes. Guy. Yeah. yeah. The guy who this guy went to I think he went to prison a couple years ago for like tax fraud. Something. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. how I know the name. Because he used to, he used to be Boomer and Carton in the morning. He used to listen to that on the way to school because I right. live, grew up in Jets and Giants territory. Anyway, he's reporting. I don't know how verified this is that uh, there was a trade in place for Aaron Rodgers to come to New England and Rodgers vetoed it. What? Yeah. That is, is he tweeting from, that from prison? Like what's going on? What do you mean? No, no, he's, he's out, oh, he's now. out he's of back. prison now. Yeah. He's back on the air, but um, yeah, this is, I don't, I can't speak at all to the veracity of this. It's Craig Carton. So I don't, I don't know how I, I, he's like the New York version of Scott Zolak. I think in terms of guy who's connected, but just because he says something doesn't necessarily mean it's true. That's right. That's wild though. If it is the case, I'd love to learn more about that. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it, it is funny because, yeah, I mean, who knows? Like, who knows what that what that even trade, what that trade even goes to, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the quote from the article, I'll just read. You just sent the article. Yeah. The quote from the article is, those snakes in the grass in New England can never be trusted. I want to thank my man Aaron Rodgers for recognizing you don't go play for Satan. I yeah. feel like we could take Total. this report and throw it in the trash. <laughs> yeah, definitely no bias there. <laughs> right. yeah. So, so uh, but yeah, I saw that. I was like, that is bizarre. That's pretty it awesome. wouldn't, it yeah. wouldn't shock me. I mean, I think we all know Aaron Rodgers is good at football. Bill likes guys who are good at football. And, you know, nobody thinks this organization is married to Mac Jones. Even as somebody that's a Mac Jones defender, I wouldn't right. be married to Mac Jones. Like, I, I think agree, he's. Yeah. I think he's better than what we saw last year, but that doesn't mean he's a franchise guy. We just don't know yet. So yeah. if you get an opportunity to add a guy, you get an opportunity. It wouldn't shock me if they were interested. Um, yeah, no, it's true. Also, yeah. big shout out to, to our guy, Gary, over here in the UK. Says, hit the like button on these guys. These guys do a great job. I always watch from the UK on my night shift. Gary, we appreciate you as always, sir. We got a lot um, of UK listeners in here. We do, and I love it. it. I absolutely love it. Amazing. It's crazy. There's, there's, they're nutcases, dude. Listening at, you know. Yeah. What is it? Four o'clock in the morning over there, or whatever, dude. Yeah. I love it. It's great. Yeah. See this. I don't know if you've ever done this. Pal. I have you ever watched British panel TV shows? I'm just gonna speak to a British audience for a second here. No. Are you familiar with these? Negative. They're like a combination of like 
I don't know, kind of, I don't know, SNL. They're, they're basically their game shows that they do in England. Wait, wait, are you talking about uh, what's who's the guy? Jimmy Carr. Uh, he's on some of them. Yeah. You okay? I've seen the of the Jimmy of some of the Jimmy Carr ones because they're always funny. Yeah. And the guy that just passed away last year. I think, yes, was on uh, one Sean of them. Yes, yeah. and the, oh my god, that guy's freaking so funny. Because yeah. they do – it's a thing in England that they don't really do here in the U.S., which is basically game shows, but all of the contestants are comedians, and it's all right. like a big improv thing, and they all riff off each other. I yeah. love it. I think it's hilarious. So I've watched a ton of those shows. Yeah, I've always, I always wish they did American versions, but yeah, that's my little – I've watched go. a strange amount of British TV in my life because of those, so that's my I like it. to the U.K. people in here. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Very nice. All right. Uh, last segment. Here we go. And now for something we think you'll really like. This week in sports history. All right. This week in sports history. You want to go or you want me to go? I'll go first. All right. Yeah. On this day in 1928, Philadelphia A's baseball star Ty Cobb stole home for a record 54th time. Imagine stealing home 54 times. That's insanity. I couldn't do that in Little League. Like That's outrageous. It tells you a lot about what baseball was like at the time. But well, I mean, still, Cobb, but 54 yeah. times is outrageous. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, uh, that's obviously, in his career, clearly. But still, I mean, you know, that's that's. Yeah, yeah, I think he ended up with more than that. I don't know what his total was. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Ty Cobb, what a character. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yes, for sure. And supposedly, there's a book that came out that like said that the the story about him killing his neighbor or something like that it was completely fabricated, and he was actually a pretty nice guy, right. and like you know, someone hated him and wrote a wrote a biography or something, and said that said all these terrible things about him that wasn't true. I don't know, but who knows? This, Maybe it was his grandkid that wrote that or something like that. Who knows? There's a surprising amount of that in history. One guy yeah. wrote a book and it became the truth that exists. Yeah, he did. The way it goes. I do remember reading about him as a kid? You know, going in spikes up, sliding into every base. So. Yeah. A lot easy, a lot easier to steal home, I bet, when the catcher is worried that he's going to get stabbed in the process. I suppose you would think. I suppose you would yeah. think that is true. So, um, what you got? All right. Me? So I have one from uh, tomorrow, actually, which is June sixteenth, nineteen eighty nine, during the U.S. Open on hole four. I'm sorry, that's not true. On hole six, four players, four. Players hit a hole in one. <laughs> How outrageous is that? That four players in the same tournament hit a hole in one on the same hole. Uh, and I believe up until that point, there had only been 17 hole in ones total recorded since the U.S. Open had begun and four in the same round. I don't know if it's the same day. I mean, it says it happened today, but I feel like it all happening on the same day would be complete insanity. So I'm just going to go with. Uh, the weekend, but still, if even four in a weekend is still ridiculous, that's incredible. That so, is fantastic, right there. I love that. So, there you go. So, also, I mean, like Santa Barbara, California in 1988, a team of 32 divers begins cycling underwater on a standard tricycle to compete to complete 166.66 miles in 75 hours and 20 minutes. What does that even mean? I don't even know what that means. Why are they cycling underwater? I don't know. I don't get this it. This is, I mean, I'll probably like a Wikipedia 
that in a couple of days when I can't sleep I'll be in the middle of the night. I'm going to go down a Wikipedia rabbit hole of whatever that is. Cycling underwater. I don't know. doesn't make any sense to me, but I'll okay. Come, I'll, come back, I'll come back on the next podcast with a dissertation on whatever sport that is. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's fantastic. Um, anyways, before we go, quick shout out to, uh, to Taunton High. Uh, where I work, the baseball and softball team, both in the state championship game. Again, those games we played on Saturday. So um, if you're in the UMass Amherst area or the uh, Worcester area, perhaps you can shoot down there and uh, and cheer on Taunton. Um, it would be back-to-back for the baseball uh, team, and it would be three in a row for the softball team last year, they became the first team in division one history, Massachusetts division one history, of course, uh, to win in baseball and softball the same year. So um, pretty cool. And I think it was only like the fourth time ever that uh, Massachusetts high school had won in baseball and softball. So it'd be pretty sweet if they could do it two years in a row. We'll see, but it'd be pretty cool if they could do it two years in a row. So love it. Anyways, that's what we got. Thank you for listening. We went over an hour tonight, but we had a lot of fun, a lot of engagement in the uh, in the chat. We appreciate everyone, um, you know, coming yeah. coming coming through. And thank you so much. And we will uh, we'll talk to you next week. Listen, maybe we'll be doing an emergency podcast this weekend about DeAndre Hopkins signing in New England. Who knows? Hopefully, hopefully the next time we all talk, DeAndre Hopkins will be a Patriot. That's That'd my, be pretty cool. That's my hope here. I mean, listen, I don't even love the fit, and I still think that would be pretty cool because it's DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins. I mean, it would be pretty sweet if he was if yeah, he was on the Patriots. So that's all you need. Exactly. So all right, guys, thank you so much. We appreciate it. And we will uh we'll talk to you soon, next week, if not sooner. <laughs>